Welcome to Where the Lotus Grows, Getting Dirty and Growing Strong with Kimberly Searle and Tanya Drew. As integrative sustainable movement educators and health advocates, our goal is to provide you with evidence-based information gathered from research, experts in the field, and our personal and professional experience to help you advocate for your own health and wellness. Our mission is to collaboratively navigate the thick, muddy waters of life to empower, accept, and cultivate our most authentic selves. Welcome back, Courageitarians. We're grateful for your grittiness to still be with us at Where the Lotus Grows. It's an entirely listener-supported show, so supporting us is also designed to support you through keeping the growth flowing and also through rewards. So you can head over to Patreon and uh, check us out at Patreon at Where the Lotus Grows. And... uh, You'll help us generate some income to keep paying for the podcast. Absolutely. We hope that you do. And always, we like to hear from you, too. Just your encouragement is always appreciated. So find us uh, at wherethelotusgrows.com or wherethelotusgrows on Instagram and Twitter. So what are we talking about today, Kim? We're going to talk about equanimity and exercises that bring balance. How does that sound? I think uh, it sounds like something I could use today. (laughs) So fantastic. I'm ready. (laughs) So equanimity is when we have a mental calmness and composure and evenness of temper, especially in a difficult situation. So in Latin, it means even mind and soul. So equus, even and animus means mind and soul. So as a psychological stability and composure, which is undisturbed by experience of or exposure of emotions, pain, or other uh, phenomena that may cause others to lose their balance of their mind. So Tanya, I'm wondering what brings you equanimity? Mm, Well, first and foremost is awareness that I am not feeling very equanimous at the moment. (laughs) So acknowledging that. Um, And then I would say the two largest tools that I use to try to balance myself are breath and movement. And so it's funny, um, just before we got together today to do this, then I uh, literally had to do this today. I was at the doctor's office with my dad and we'd been waiting and waiting and waiting. It had been over an hour (laughs) (laughs) And it's just very frustrating. And I could feel myself getting agitated and irritated and just more and more like, this place is a joke. I can't believe we got to do that. You know, all of those things. (laughs) That script that runs through our heads when something um, isn't happy and isn't going the way that we had hoped or anticipated or even expected it to be. And I, I had to be like, okay, stop. First of all, you know, correct your posture. Take a deep breath. What's really going on here? Because <laughs> is this kind of pissy attitude going to make it any better? <laughs> it's not going to make the doctor come in any faster. It's not going to make the situation any better. So what can you do to, to make it better for yourself right now and to find balance? And so just in general, because we're sitting and waiting, then just correcting my posture, making sure that I was sitting up tall and then I was breathing deeply And then, you know, from there, changing my attitude. So like I said, that awareness, 
that ability to see myself outside of myself and say, this isn't helping you and let's make a change. And so, and then moving through a couple of deep breaths and then I just kind of changed, I tried to change the tone. I started making a few jokes with my dad and got him going on some conversation and just tried to make it a little happier um, because uh, I mean, what else are you going to do <laughs> in that situation? Um, and I, and I do think that it was helpful to diffuse my, my discomfort, to make my rapport with the physician once he did finally come in a little better. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and to, like you said, to find balance. So I love that. I love that it's even mind and soul. Yeah. And, you know, before we were getting ready for this, you and I both kind of, we always check in before we do the podcasts with each other, before we hit the record button. And we were both talking how we had just a little bit of an emotional hangover from things that had happened to us, um, you know, within the last 24 hours. And I think part of that equanimity is being able to acknowledge that there was some hurt and some triggers, but then at the same time, still be able to feel yourself sitting on that chair checking in with your breath, checking in with the state of your emotions. And I think the ability to do that allows for that equanimity um, to really help us ride those challenging moments. Because it would certainly be easier to, you know, just have a big blow up. But, I mean, it mm-hmm. takes a lot of work and awareness and self-inquiry to, to stay in equanimity. And you just, that's exactly what I was going to say. I, I feel like people often, or maybe it's just assume, you know, like, like balance is a thing that just happens. <laughs> and really, right. if you think even in physics, um, even literal balance does take a little bit of work. So you, you know, if you've ever um, tried to balance something on something else, sometimes you have to shift it a little to the left, shift it a little to the right, like get it right in the right spot so that you can hold it there. Or if you're holding a pose, say you're standing on one leg, you know, you kind of wave back and forth a little bit first before you find that balance. It takes work to do that. Balance isn't just a thing that happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It takes work to to find that and to do that. And And like you said, just acknowledging and going inside and seeing you know checking out because it is it's certainly easier to to dump into one side or the other yeah and I I think you bring up a great point that it is work for balance it's it's Mm -hmm. not something that just comes second nature but equanimity also reminds me of the doshas that Mm -hmm. are the Ayurvedic energies of our health and there are three the vata pitta and kapha vata is the carrier Pitta pushes or provokes, and kapha strengthens or resists. So the vata dosha is the propulsion or the energetic force responsible for movement, expressions, and the discharge of all impulses. And vatas act primarily through the nervous system through which it flows like an electrical current. And the colon is the main site in the disease process in which waste, gases, or toxic vata accumulations um, come and they're spread through the blood, the bones, and other parts of the body. The pitta is the fiery or transformative force responsible for digestion, warmth, perception of all types. And pitta acts primarily through the digestive system and the blood as the body's basic thermogenic power. 
And the small intestine is its main site in the disease process in which excess acids or toxic pitta accumulates and spreads to the blood to different parts of the body. And then the kapha is the sustaining or conserving force responsible for tissue formation, substance, cohesiveness, and support. And kapha acts primarily through the plasma or lymphatic system as the underlying nutrient solution making up the bulk of the body and providing nourishment to all the tissues. And the stomach is the main site in the disease process in which excess mu mucus or waste kapha uh, accumulates and spreads to the body and lymph to different parts of the body. So I'd like to give you an example of some exercises for the kapha. So if you're having a kapha imbalance, you may be heavy on uh, standing asanas, back bends, inverted poses. You want the practice to be energetic because the challenge for the kapha is to keep up the level of effort needed to reduce their dosha. And they really benefit from standing poses, headstands, and inverted poses. And for pittas, you may be heavy on inversions, forward folds, back pens, and this practice needs to be effortless. So a non-goal-oriented way, maybe working at about 75% of their capacity. So things like forward bends and um, twists can be effective for them. And for a vata, you may be heavy on inverted or floor poses and twists. And here you need a quiet, really grounded, systematic way where you can build core strength in the body while maintaining flexibility. And it's finding a balance between strength and flexibility that is critical for this dosha. So holding the standing poses for longer periods of time, forward bends, um, and holding twists longer. And I know when we were um, in school, uh, a funny example of these three doshas would be when we'd all pile into the car, because once a trimester, we'd try to all go out together and have just a fun girls' night. And uh, we'd always pick someplace new and different that we hadn't been. And we were joking around one time saying, you know, vatas should never give directions. Uh, the pitta should be in charge of telling the driver, you know, the directions. And uh, because vatas tend to be more airy, right? Pitta is a little more fiery. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we would make funny, you know, jokes back and forth with each other about that. Oh, yeah, I remember that. So the idea in the Ayurveda then is that even though, like, you were just describing, like, the pittas and the vatas, like, like they're our team. <laughs> um, <laughs> everyone has kind of a dominant dosha, but the idea is that we're made up, or the Ayurvedic philosophy is that we're made up of all three, right? We're all tridoshic. Mm -hmm. And yes, then we, we have a dominant one, but we what we're trying to do is balance them out, find that equanimity, right? Yeah, correct. We All three doshas are in every single person. When you're born, you have a primary uh, dosha, so I'm a pitavata. However, throughout my lifetime, I may have periods of time when I have a kapha imbalance. And it, if you think about, you know, all three of them, being uh, bars on a bar graph, you're trying to get them all to be balanced with each other. Mm -hmm. um, and depending on what's happening in your life, you know, those bars may go up and down. And if you understand that, then you know how to change your physical practice, what you eat, your breath, your meditation, 
to help bring more balance and cohesiveness to your life. Right. So if you're a Vata or airy type person, you might benefit more from like a grounding sequence or even like a restorative sequence with like a, some sandbags or a mm -hmm. weighted blanket or something. Whereas if you're Kapha, you may need to kind of speed things up a little bit. And if you're Pitta, you may need to slow things down a little bit. So kind of doing the opposite of whatever the... Um, the nature of your constitution at that period in time is <laughs> you're kind of doing the opposite to try to rein it back or push it forward to balance it out. Yeah. Yeah. Like pittas really love spicy food, right? But probably what they need more of is like a cucumber or a melon. Right. To <laughs> cool, cool them down. down a little. <laughs> yeah. Right. And vice, yeah. vice versa. On the other side of that too, what I really like about the, this, the Ayurvedic idea is it also gives you a little bit of um, a little bit of a descriptor for yourself? Like I used the word team a minute ago, but it's it's um, there are certain parts of it that you can embrace. Like, hey, this is this is kind of who I am, but I know how to balance it or control it with these practices. So it's not like it's a it's not a good thing or a bad thing. It's like a neutral thing. <laughs> if that yeah, makes sense. You know, there's all these personality tests and stuff like that out there. It's just a way for mm -hmm. you to have more self-inquiry and, and check in with yourself. Yeah, sure. Well, and I personally am drawn to all of those things. I love the idea of uh, the Myers-Briggs and the Enneagram and the doshas and all of those things. But in reality, it's just, it's just a guidebook and it's not... Um, I think sometimes it gets used as a way to not have to be authentic or to just be like, you know, hi, I'm a two or hi, I'm a, I'm a ENFJ or, you know, yeah. whatever it is <laughs> like to, um, to label yourself so that you don't have to be present. And I think that the purpose of it is kind of the opposite of that. Like it gives you some stuff, some tools to use to be more authentic and present so just like the doshas like you could say well I'm just a pitta that's how I am but in reality you can use the information that you know about that as you're suggesting him to balance it out and change things to try to to try to tone certain things down or bring certain things forward so I I love stuff like that <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so do I. And yoga and um, Ayurveda define our human psychology. And it's according to three great qualities of primal nature, prakti. The gunas of sattva, which is balance, rajas, aggression, and tamas, inertia. So sattvic indivi individuals are peaceful and calm and concentrated in mind. They have good thoughts and intentions and spontaneously do good actions they're very considerate and compassionate people. They're selfless, placing the needs of others above their own. And emotionally, they have much love, faith, devotion, and connection. Where a Rajas type, um, they're very active. They have agitation in their mind. They're running from one thing to another in pursuit of their desires. They have a lot of drive. Um, there's, they're ambitious and assertion but a little peace or calm, and they, they promote their own interest. They protect those who serve them. They're uh, hostile to those who oppose them. 
And emotionally, they have a fair amount of anger and don't like to be observed in what they do. And Tomasic types suffer from mental dullness, inertia, and lethargy. They have little motivation to achieve other spiritual or material goals. And emotionally, they have um, seven blockages and are unable to express themselves for several uh, uh, blockages. And they're unable to um, express themselves harmoniously. And uh, they easily fall into violence and delusion. And their lives generally remain in a stagnant state with little ability to change or improve themselves. So I'll give you some examples of maybe um, breath or meditation types that might work for these individuals. So for example, right nostril breathing, Bastrikra or Kalabati, increase Pitta and decrease Kapha. And then cooling forms like left nostril breathing, Shantali, um, they increase Kapha and decrease pitta. And vata is reduced by a combination of heating and cooling pranayama, but more on the heating side because vatas mainly tend to be a little more cold. In a meditation, if you want to decrease vata, you may want to relax into stillness with an easy, relaxed breath for 20 to 30 minutes. And if you want to decrease pitta, you may want to let go into stillness with softness, kind of a relaxed breath, about 15 to 25 minutes. And for kapha, you may want to let the body breathe itself, just releasing and relaxing for 5 to 15 minutes. And avata, like you had mentioned before, I tend to really use a lot of blankets and sandbags uh, when they're in meditation. And a kapha, for example, I'll have them sit up in meditation, still in a supported um, place. And then the pitta kind of, you know, falls in the middle between those two. Um, again, you know, trying to help find what that balance is between all three tridoshas. I like that. And I like that you gave kind of a little recommendation. I want to make sure that we get that in our, in our notes um, so that other people can enjoy, you know, the, the, rep the recommendations and the practices. Going back up for a moment to the um, gunas, the yoga gunas versus the Ayurvedic doshas, I think that's kind of similar in that, you know, the rajas and the tamas are kind of on the outside on either side and sattvic is kind of in the middle. So if you find that you're more rajas or you're more tamasic, and again, it may vary, it's on a spectrum, not necessarily, you know, it could be your constitution or it could be... Um, just the day that you're having <laughs> it could mm -hmm. be a more rajasic, rajasic or tamasic day to try to come to the middle to that middle ground that sattva and that balance like that's the place of peace yeah and i think maybe a good example of a disease condition for the uh, gunas is depression a lot of times we think of tamasic depression right the depression that we can't get out of bed or we can't get to the shower and wash our hair but there's also a rajasic depression where you busy yourself and schedule yourself so much throughout the day that you fall into pure exhaustion at night so that you don't have to sit with your feelings and acknowledge what's, what's going on. And um, again, you would want to try to find balance um, in that sattvic stage, a place where you can feel peace or you can feel um, kind of the emotional 
ups and downs and what does that do to your breath and to your body yeah again that that equanimity yeah. I love that. So I, I have a couple quotes. I haven't done quotes in a while. So I thought, oh, well, yay, put a we couple quotes in. When you have quotes, yeah. <laughs> so, if, you, uh, if you had your choice, it would be just quotes. Just a podcast just full of quotes that Kim loves. <laughs> yes, yeah, so and then we'd have a philosophical discussion about the quote, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so uh, this one is by Chris Luvac. Mindfulness is so closely lined with equanimity because its difficulty teaches you to take the middle path, to not resist or cling to things, and to not just let things happen to you willy-nilly. Nice. And I, I really like that because I think when you're first on your yoga journey, it's like if I do A, B, and C, then you know I don't have to care so much about things and things won't trigger me and I'll just always be in this peaceful bliss kind of floating along. But that's not really true either, right? That's not realistic. It's not being a human. <laughs> you're not human if you're, you're at peace all the time. Yeah. And so, you know, you, you should have uh, some things should upset you and some things should make you peaceful and you should still make choices, you know, so that you're not just kind of floating around willy-nilly. Uh, the other quote that I like is by Tori Amos. I found the secret to life. I'm okay when everything is not okay. And I think mm -hmm. that's really realistic is, you know, using our yoga tools to be okay when, you know, there is chaos around you to still have that safety of self. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, that's the ultimate goal because again, we are humans and things are going to be, things are going to be wrong. We're going to have, you know, we're going to be sad. We're going to be angry. We're going to have experienced the full, because that is the human experience, Right. That's mm -hmm. what it means. Like, that's the greatness. I try to remind myself of that when I'm, um, I think particularly sadness is usually the, the um, emotion that we just want to get over with quickly. And I think, you know, hey, if I'm sad, I have to be, now bear with me, it takes me to get to a certain point with this, but I, I have to be like, isn't it great that I can feel this? Like that we have this full range of emotions that I can be in this moment and have this. And there have been times that I've had to kind of sit with that and be that way. Um, because the propensity is to, for me anyway, is to kind of brush it under the rug and be like, oh, I was sad. Now I'm better. Or don't feel that way. Or, you know, or mask it with something else. Anger. Um resentment frustration you know instead of being like oh no this is sad or this is unpleasant this I, I have to say that that's probably the one of the things that my yoga practice personally has brought me more than anything is that um ability to sit with my feelings regardless <laughs> of <laughs> if I'm liking it or not and then, and then kind of like, like that great quote, the secret to life is to, I'm okay when everything is not okay. And yeah. I forget what the, I forget where the quote comes from, but it's like, um, uh, something about, uh, the end. And if it's not, oh, now I forget. I will think of it before the end. It was something about to the effect of, um, 
you're okay until it's the end. And if you're not okay, it's not the end. Something like that. Uh, People are screaming at their phone right now. (laughs) (laughs) That's not the quote at all. You butchered it. It's terrible. Um, But I just, you know, try to remind yourself that that's, it's human. Well, the Ayurvedic rule in treatment is to treat vata like a flower, pitta like a friend, and kapha like an enemy. So vantas are sensitive like a flower. They easily wilt. Pittas need companionship and guidance of friends. And kaphas need strong motivation and not criticism to put forth, but their effort, to put forth like their best efforts. So there's a whole science in and of itself. Uh, Yoga and Ayurveda have long been linked together as two complementary systems of human development. And, um, you know, there's actually a a master's of science in Ayurvedic studies um, at Bastyr and it's a program that I've thought about uh, many times. And then there's Dr. Ladd's uh, program in New Mexico, which is also very superb, um, and Dr. Farley. Um, so all great, you know, Ayurvedic places to find uh, more study. But um, I have some tips that I'd like to leave you with um, about equanimity. And that is to eliminate striving. Remove the pressures that push you. Do less and be more. Time goes into the preparation of a pose. So there's no hurry to get to that pose. Do not overpower the body. Mistakes repeated are paid for often repeatedly. Let go of roles, categories, and labels. Let go into the moment. And use the mirror of yoga to see yourself and work in the unknown. And your focus determines your behavior, which produces your results. To change the results you are getting, change your focus. Nice. I like that. Good tips from Kim. I would add just just to be aware, just stop and be awareness in your moment. And just be that non-judging observer of what's happening. Because when you kind of remove that judgment and just observe, and that's where your best tools of discernment will be. So we appreciate you, Courageitarians, for sticking with us through this episode. This was a fun one. It was a fun one to talk about and to do. Um, if you have anything that you want to share with us about balance, maybe you've got some other practices or you had some thoughts or comments and you'd like to give us feedback on this episode, please feel free to contact us at wherethelotusgrows.com. On our website, uh, email at info where the lotus grows at info at where the lotus grows.com. And then, of course, on Instagram and Facebook and social media, we're there. Thanks so much, guys. Bye. Thank you for listening to Where the Lotus Grows. Join us in further conversations. We believe that you bring valuable knowledge to this community. You can find us at where the lotus grows.com where the lotus grows on instagram and facebook or twitter where the lotus g1 because we were not on top of that one remember that though we are professionals in our field the topics discussed and or advice given is general information and not intended to treat or diagnose please seek the guidance of a medical integrative health bodywork, or yoga therapy professional for a full evaluation If you like what you hear, please take the time to rate us on iTunes or your preferred podcast platform.